Lord Almighty, You are our Redeemer. And we rejoice before You. Thank You for bringing us again before Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that You would be here now. That You would remove from us those things that would distract us. And You would fill us with Your Spirit so that we would be changed by Your Word. So that we would become the men and women of God You have created us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hypocrisy is universally loathed and globally practiced. In 2009, Texas Rangers outfielder Josh Hamilton was a recovering addict. He had become a Christian and he was not ashamed to tell people when interviewed that he was a Christian. Unfortunately, he fell off the bandwagon apologizing in public to his wife, his team, and even Major League Baseball, he moved on his own into rehab to get rid of this addiction to drugs. Unfortunately, in the internet age, pictures of his debauchery were instantly on the internet and all over the place. So, again, he apologized to his wife, to his teammates, and to Major League Baseball. Not good enough, yelled the media. Josh Hamilton is a hypocrite. And he was lambasted report over and over and over again on the internet for behavior that was reportedly rather tame as far as professional athletes falling off the wagon often happens. Even though we recognize his behavior was rather wrong. I encourage you not to go look at pictures, and I did not either. Fortunately, in 2009, a voice of sanity was heard. Molly Hemingway is a reporter for Christianity Today online, and while she was rightly believed that his debauchery was wrong, she, fortunately for us, had a better view of what hypocrisy is and what it means to be a hypocrite. Molly said, Hypocrisy isn't failing to practice what you preach. Hypocrisy is pretending to have beliefs that you don't actually have. Real hypocrisy is rare and difficult to discern. Now listen, not practicing what you preach is a sin. We recognize that. And not all sin is hypocrisy, though all hypocrisy is sin. There we have a Venn diagram for you geeky math majors, some of whom I, in this room I know. Now, when you and I sin doing something that we know is wrong and have even said we know is wrong, we do not automatically become a hypocrite. When Josh Hamilton fell off the bandwagon, he did not become a hypocrite. He became one who did not hide his sin and admitted that he is, in fact, a sinner. Anyone here able to claim anything differently than Josh Hamilton? 
tonight, we are going to see where Jesus makes perfectly clear what he thinks hypocrisy means and what it is you and I are to do about it so we are not given to hypocrisy ourselves. Now, I'll lay my cards on the table early and in a nutshell, the message is this. Live for an audience of one. Hypocrisy is a willful blindness that sees the self as sufficient instead of the glory of God as the only supreme good. Hypocrisy is a self-righteous attitude that looks to oneself as the sufficient one for what he or she is. Instead, live your life for Jesus rather than trying to make yourself appear to be something that you are not or living in such a way that you belittle others, condemning them for their faults while you make believe that your poop doesn't stink. Now, if you are offended by what I just said, I chose it on purpose not using the phrase that was a little more colorful that my dad often used growing up. I won't tell you what it is, but I'm sure most of you can imagine. But I also chose it as a reminder of the fact that God the Father thinks that our sin stinks so much that He poured out His wrath on God the Son to destroy it. Your sin and mine stinks just as much as someone else's. So, Where are we? As I said last week, we are nearing the end of Matthew. And Matthew chapter 23, 24, and 25 form a unit. In 23, where we are tonight, Jesus gives a spoken judgment against the temple leaders that targeted Jesus back in chapters 21 and 22. Then next week, chapter 24 is an extension of this judgment aiming to answer two questions. When will Jerusalem and His temple be destroyed? Because Jesus had just said that it will be. And when will Christ return in power to reign? At the end of chapter 24 and all of 25, we then get an exhortation to the faithful, to us, to be prepared and to glorify Jesus while we live on this earth so that we will be rewarded at the final judgment. But we start here and we see that the primary fault, the main thing that Jesus is calling these temple leaders out on is their self-righteous attitude that He calls hypocrisy. Let me read the first 12 verses of our passage. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to His disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe what they tell you but not the works they do. For they preach and they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor and feast and the best seats in the synagogues and getting in the marketplaces, greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others." 
But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one Father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now the first thing we need to see while we're here in Matthew 12, 23, is that Jesus commands His hearers to listen to the preaching by the Pharisees and Sadducees. You see, preaching isn't the problem. It is self-righteousness or this hypocrisy that is the problem. Now the temple leaders Jesus was talking to were motivated by a desire to look good. Their preaching was based upon a desire to make themselves look good. And that is what Jesus is calling out. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. They love being called rabbi by others. In this, they are living in exact contradiction to Jesus' clear command in Matthew 6.1 where He says, Beware of practicing your righteous before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, doing your acts of righteousness before others, doing the good religious things you do to be seen by others, others is a species of this self-righteousness that Jesus condemns itself as hypocrisy. You see, these external motivations, this trying to get approval from others for what you ought to be doing to get approval by God from, these external motivations are symptomatic of hypocrisy because there are self-righteous pretense. I want you to think that I'm good. I want you to think that I've got all my stuff together. It's the attitude that desires to look good to other mortals more than looking good to God. And it's the attitude behind the actions. What I want you to get is doing good things for the glory of God is not bad. It can be if what you're doing is not for the glory of God, but is to look good in front of others. That's why the cure to hypocrisy, the thing that we must strive to do, is to live for an audience of one. Jesus continues, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Those are some harsh words. We're going to get some harsh words in this chapter. You see, because like many in the world, both in the first century and the 21st century, the temple leaders believed, what they really believed in was not righteousness, was not living for the glory of God, but they lived for control and power and exalting themselves in front of others. 
Instead, you and me, you and I, Christians, we believe that trusting the promises of God for us in Christ is what gives us the spiritual power. It's what gives us the appropriate spiritual authority so that we can live as we are commanded to in Scripture. It is this trusting the promises of God that will prevent us from being hypocrites because we won't see ourselves as self-sufficient. We won't look at ourselves and depend upon ourselves for our righteousness. We won't want to look at ourselves at all as a matter of fact. We'll want to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hypocrisy Instead, is this willful blindness that sees the self as sufficient instead of the glory of God as the only and all supreme good. That is why living for the audience of one is the cure. My friends, you and I, we are supernaturalists. We believe in the power of God the Spirit moving in us and through us. We believe that God will come through for us when we trust His promises. Even if all the rest of the world is against us. Oh, you fools! Get off that and get on with the program. We are the right side of history. We believe, my friends, and living to impress Him is more important than living to impress anyone and everyone else. So live for an audience of one. Now, Jesus compares this pretense, this self-righteousness, this pretending that I'm all good and everything's fine with blindness. Jesus compares this belief in whatever currently reigning political correctness, whether that's defined by the Jewish temple leaders or by the neon gods our culture worships today, to blindness. And so he says, starting in verse 16, Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools! For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that's on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men! For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swells by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. Oh, that's a scary thought. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and him who sits upon it. Now, in this case, the religious leaders of Jesus' day piled up a whole bunch of laws. And these laws were designed to make people tell the truth. Who, who thought of that kind of thing? Who would have thought that would work? Swearing or giving oaths most often means that you're trying to connive. You're trying to dodge. You're trying to convince somebody you're telling the truth when you have absolutely no intention of keeping your promise. Which is exactly why Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more than this is of the evil one. Don't get into 
all of this casuistry of who swears by what. Just tell the truth. Tell the truth. According to Jesus, opening your spiritual eyes to the darkness of your soul that uses these spiritually sounding O's to lie redeems us. It washes us. It frees us from the hypocrisy that is so crippling. It it is as if we were blind. Because hypocrisy puts up blinders on us so we can't even see the darkness in my own heart. Open your eyes to avoid hypocrisy like the plague. Now interestingly to me, is this isn't the only time Jesus compared hypocrisy to blindness. Matthew chapter 7, Judge not that ye not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now listen. Now listen, this is important. Jesus here commands us not to judge. You get to verses 14, 15, and 16, and He commands His listeners to discern. So obviously this judging and this discerning are not the same thing. Instead, what we see here in this judging is this condemning. This putting someone else down because of their sin. Condemning the other is a species of self-righteousness. You pretend to believe your neighbor's sins stink to high heaven, but yours make you coming out like roses. You don't fool anyone. Except maybe yourself. Acknowledging that you aren't better than someone else, even if you don't fall for their flavor of sin is a place to start. You know what? I am so thankful to Pastor Benji because his whole time that he has been here, he has made this a repeated theme throughout his preaching. Look, confess your sins. It's okay. Number one, God knows. And number two, most of us who have been with each other, hang out with each other enough, we know each other's sins too. And we still love each other. So get it off your chest you're okay. In Christ, Christian, you are safe. And you are loved. But hypocrisy is a willful blindness that sees the self as sufficient and condemns the other. Man, you know where I fall to this sin the most? Is in the car when I am guilty of this exact kind of hypocrisy because I'm condemning the person who doesn't know how to use the on-ramp onto the freeway. Or I'm condemning the person who doesn't know that the speed limit on sway is 40 and not 30. (laughs) 
one day, by God's grace, I'm going to get to the place where I'm not having to repent of that sin immediately thereafter and just not sinning on the way. And I pray for my boys every day that they are not as aggressive of drivers as I am. But you see, the glory of God is the supreme good. The glory of God, not me getting somewhere 30 seconds faster, is the supreme good. The glory of God, by me driving in a patient, kind way, is far more important than my being in or out of control because somebody isn't going what they should do. Live for an audience of one. You know, if you are a cynic, you can turn that around and say, yeah, I live for an audience of one. I live for myself. I am the judge of what is right and wrong. Uh, Most of us wouldn't say that. Sometimes we do, though, don't we? We're more interested in how I've always done things than what the Lord really wants of us to live by. Anybody else guilty of this? Or am I the only one raising our hand? Jesus continues, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. I have a question. What do you do or not do? What do you do that in your mind when you do it, you imagine someone watching you saying, ah, there goes a swell guy. There goes a swell gal. Hmm. What clear laws of Scripture do you avoid because you think, oh, God will forgive me for that one. I'm already saved. I don't need to fight that particular sin. My friends, that is hypocrisy. Ask the Lord tonight when you lay down Are you guilty of something that you excuse in yourself? Live for an audience of one. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, and then the outside may also be clean. Going through and ceremonially washing your house and dishes isn't as important as having someone who is unclean come in and giving them a warm meal. Making sure that you are unsoiled by refusing to attend a gay marriage isn't as important as loving the person where they are so that you can have hope to speak into their lives when they need a lift and they need a Christian. Oops, did I just say that? Live for an audience of one.
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tomb which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. What is hypocrisy? It's the dead men's bones in the graveyard. As a side note, when you go to Haiti and you drive along any of the roads, you see shacks. And they're, they're made out of sticks. The really nice ones are made out of corrugated steel. Right, Larry? And you're driving down the road, and either right after you leave a town or right before you enter a town, you come to this place. And there's buildings made out of concrete. I mean, buildings made out of concrete. They're crypts. And you know what they're filled with? Dead men's bones. These people are starving. These people are buried in these great big concrete buildings. That's folly. That. The veneer of respectability is a poor substitute for a thick coat of love and grace and mercy that is thoroughly mixed with truth. So live for an audience of one. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus, you witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. Wow, Jesus said this? Yes, He did. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Wow! Those are harsh words. And here, I'm going to step away from the text just for a second. Because I think this is important. Part of the reason they received such painful condemnation here is because they were a nation that had the Word of God. They were a nation that had lived with the Word of God and they rejected it. Know any other nations like that? Here's a major point. This is a major point. The exact same action can be either hypocritical or heroic. The difference between a hypocritical action and that same action being instead heroic is the attitude of the heart. Whether or not you support the right politicians and policies is far less important than if you support and love those whom you disagree with. 
Don't be an internet troll for your particular political party. And if you're not on the internet, fine. Don't be, excuse me, a troll among your friends about your particular political party or policies. Now, listen, I've got opinions on this subject. And if you want to hear them, I'll tell you them. But I'm not going to fight about it. And I'm going to I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to back up my actions, my attitudes in these areas with loving the people around me that are here, which is why I work this work that I do in the city. It's because I want these people who have no other access to church, they would not go to church, I want them to know that there is a Christian who cares. Join me. We have positions on our CDBG board. I'd love to hook you up. Live for an audience of one. Brothers and sisters, hypocrisy is a deadly disease that is alive and well in the United States of America today. It is found far too often at church, though hypocrisy is an equal opportunity employer among different philosophies and religion and politics everywhere. And Jesus calls us His church, His bride, we, His family. He calls us to take His yoke and find rest from the burden of having to live to impress others. Because it is exhausting. So this is Jesus' response. This is Jesus' call after condemning hypocrisy. He says, Oh, Jerusalem! Jerusalem! The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Wow. See, look, pay attention. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you again, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Which is a clear prophecy of His one day return in our blessed hope. Turn to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Seek Jesus. Live for Jesus as your one and only audience. And you will find rest for your soul. Because as Pastor Jeremy Taylor said, God threatens terrible things if we will not be happy. Repent. Cry out. Cry out. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord now before it is too late for you and for those who are near you. In dealing with this issue of hypocrisy, Thomas Watson said, the hypocrite suspects others and has charitable thoughts of himself. But you and I have charitable thoughts of others and suspect ourselves. I say that Paul called himself the worst of sinners because I hadn't been born yet. I know the darkness of my heart. And I know that it stinks. Have that attitude before the Lord and take it to Him and say, Lord, I need You. 
and have those charitable thoughts to those around you so that they can see that you are different than the world around them. So hypocrisy. <coughs> hypocrisy is a commonly thrown about word by those who wish to end an argument that they don't understand. Hypocrisy or calling others a hypocrite is not an argument. It's just simply name calling. But it's true that hypocrisy happens and all too frequently. So Paul joins Jesus in calling us to repent of it. And just so for the record's sake, hypocrisy entails two different ideas. The first idea is this self-righteousness. This attitude of I am better than you as opposed to understanding that we are all tempted. Even if I'm not tempted by the same flavor of sin that you are, I can join you because I know where I am tempted. But the other part of hypocrisy, the one that Jesus is seeking to nail down here in Matthew 23, is this pretense. It's the denial of my own sinfulness. It's this attitude of, ah, my sins aren't that bad. Yours may stink to high heaven, but my, my sins, ah, you know, God's just going to wash them and... So the next time someone accuses you or the church in general of hypocrisy, ask yourself, am I exhibiting this self-righteousness? Am I believing that I am better than someone else? Or am I guilty of this pretense that says, eh, my sins aren't that important? Do not allow a willful blindness that sees the self as sufficient instead of the glory of God as the only supreme good. Do not allow the cancer of self-righteousness to blind you to the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. And don't worry about political correctness, whether that correctness is defined inside the church or by the neon gods that our culture worships. Instead, trust God's promises and live for an audience of one. Lord Almighty, let us live for Your glory. Let us bring You praise by our attitudes and our actions. And let us give glory to the One who died to bear my sins on the cross for Your glory, for my joy, and for the growth of Your kingdom. In Jesus' name, Amen.